Yay. You and Jane are just speaking a blessing over me. I'm like, yay, this is beautiful. Praise the Lord. Blessing for our, our church and our building. Hallelujah. Hello, friends. Hey, good. That's right. So when I talk, you can talk back. It's excellent. We're training and remembering that I'm not a TV. Praise the Lord. Though I know people who do speak to the TV. Hallelujah. Especially when the football's on. Hallelujah. Well, let's pray, can we? Father, we thank you for today. This is the day that the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Father, we give you all the glory and all the praise and all the thanks that you are our wonderful help, our ever-present help in time of need. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. We had a wonderful time on Friday night at our miracle meeting. Just so exciting. Afterwards, sometimes people are too shy to come and share their testimonies, and I get to hear afterwards. Um, there was a lady visiting, and just as she was hearing the testimonies of what the Lord was doing, her heart was moved, and she suddenly, she had been deaf in one ear, just sitting in a chair without a word of knowledge, suddenly her ear just popped and she was, she was hearing out of a totally deaf ear. Just glorious things, wonderful stories. People jumping up and down and moving and running around at the back, testing out their new joints. And so we just give you all the thanks and praise and glory, God, for what you're doing. And we ask for more in the name of Jesus. Everybody said, Amen. Now, as if you were here and you have been healed and as you get, have to go back to the doctors and get your doctor's reports, please make sure you send us those details. We get so encouraged when we hear what the Lord is doing. It's just, don't assume. I go places and people, I'll be walking, I remember walking out of a church once that I'd been to um, multiple times before over the years. And as I walked out of the church, this guy just pulled up as he was driving past in his convertible and says, oh yeah, by the way, when you were here last year, I was dying of liver cancer and God healed me. Thanks a lot. And keeps driving. I was like, good to know. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glad I caught you coming out of the door while you're in your car. Hallelujah. But it is, it's, it's really good to know, hallelujah, because what it does is it encourages other people. Other people are encouraged by your testimonies. It was the testimonies I was sharing about other people's miracles that released faith for that lady to receive her miracle. And I've seen that happen over and over again. Hallelujah. Well, I have been, I don't know about you, but I am in such a place right now of feeling the provoking of the Holy Spirit to really seek his face, to know him. I've been singing songs that I wrote back 23 years ago and, and singing, I have to go and listen to my own songs on Spotify to remember the words because it's been that long since I, I've sung them. I, I did a couple of albums that, we, that you can still find them on Spotify. But I, I had to go and listen to myself on Spotify because I was singing the chorus of one of my songs and I'm like, did I even record that one? Oh yeah, oh, it was the title track of Secret Place, praise the Lord. And um, singing because the Lord speaks to me often in music, in song. Does anybody else find the Lord often speaks to them through songs? And I, I, 
through, throughout the day, I'd been singing, oh, God, I desperately need you. Lord, I desperately need you. And just rolling around in my spirit. Because I, I don't want to ever get to the place where I say I'm rich and full and have need of nothing. But the Bible says that uh, if we will hunger and thirst after righteousness, they, we shall be filled. And the Bible says if you recognize that he is your help, your ever-present help in time of need, you will receive help because he is the helper. Hallelujah. The danger comes often in the place of success, in the place where things are going well and we start to forget how much we need God. I've been reading through First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, and it's a it's a fascinating thing to have a look at that and then look at the corresponding prophets that speak into the different kings. And, and looking at the lessons that we can learn from their lives, it's so valuable and so important. And often we see that in some of their lives, you recognize they do really well when they're desperate. And then when they're doing really, they, as in they seek the Lord when they're desperate and have marvelous victories. But when they are prospering and doing really well, they often start to lean on their own understanding or lean on their own devices and get themselves into trouble. We're going to look today at the life of Jehoshaphat, which is a fascinating story. But just to try and give you a little background, uh, we know about King Saul, didn't really have a relationship personally with the Lord, didn't do well, didn't end well. Then we had King David, a man after God's own heart. Hallelujah. A man who still sinned and made mistakes, but would repent and turn back to God. And the blessing of God came over his life. And he did finish well. He lived for the Lord. He didn't live a perfect life, but he lived a life of humility before the Lord, recognizing his need consistently for God. Amen. Then his son, Solomon, praise the Lord, started really well prayed and asked for wisdom. That is a smart prayer. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask, Scripture tells us. So ask. I'll tell you what, anybody here lack wisdom, need some more wisdom? Yeah. The rest of you, you're blind and you need to figure it out. You need help. You don't have all the wisdom in the world and it is available if you will ask. You have not because you ask not. You might have some wisdom, but we need the wisdom of heaven consistently. And this is the posture I want to talk about right now. Not coming to a place where we think, I'm okay, you know, I've seen a lot, I know a lot. But actually staying in that place of, Lord, I desperately need you. God, I want your wisdom. And believing that he will give it. Amen? Because we are dependent on the Holy Spirit. We weren't created to live apart from him. Apart from him, I can do nothing. But I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So we lean on him for our strength. Hallelujah. So we have Solomon. But then Solomon married all these women who weren't following the Lord. 
The Bible says don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. If you're, if you're single, put your hand up. Everybody look around. If you're single, look at all the other ones. There you go. Okay. They're the ones that are available. <laughs> Great idea to marry one of these ones, not one of those ones. I'm serious, because if you, if you think, well, I can, I can, they don't know the Lord, but they're a nice person, they'll be right. You end up marrying someone who doesn't follow the Lord, you're going to want to please them. And this is what happened to Solomon. He wanted to please his wives, and the wisest man in the world started to have his heart turn away from God because of those he was associating with. Bad company corrupts good character. The companion of fools suffers harm. This is the Bible. It's in the book. You need to read it. Turn to your neighbor. Say, the companion of fools suffers harm. (laughs) Walk with the wise and you'll become wise, Scripture says. You can say that to the other person. Walk with the wise and you'll become wise. Hallelujah. So, in other words, you need good friends, good marriages. You need to... Be wise in who you associate with. We see that over and over again. The partnerships that they make, the alliances that they make. We need the wisdom of God and not just to rely on our own understanding. Amen? So Solomon, it's a sad ending. And then his son, Rehoboam, he, uh, he did, when he becomes king... He gets all the advisors together, and the older advisors that were around for his father recommend that he demonstrate kindness to the people. And then he asks all his new young buddy advisors, his young friends, says, what do you reckon? And they say, oh, you need to show them who's boss, give them, you know, be tough on them so that they will respect you. And Rehoboam says, oh, yeah, I like that advice better. And the result of not listening to his elders, not listening to the wise ones that had walked with his father, he took the bad advice of his young friends. You know, I tell you what, when you're young, you do sometimes think you know it all, but you don't. Ow. But that's, that's humility. He says, I don't know it all and I want to learn. Hallelujah. So he listened to the young advisors, ended up losing the kingdom. The kingdom then of Israel was split into two, into the kingdom of Judah in the south and the kingdom of Israel in the north. Then we had a succession of disasters. You've got disastrous, wicked, bad kings in the north. And you've got occasional good kings in the south, but mostly wicked, bad. And it's, it's, it's sad and you had Abijah. But then we come in the, in the south, in Judah, after some bad kings, we get to Asa. And Asa does pretty good. He does pretty well. He's a good guy for the most part, but then doesn't end well. But as we look at the good thing that he did, it was great. And Asa is Jehoshaphat's father. This is where we're I'm giving you the sort of the Reader's Digest version of how we get to Jehoshaphat. So Asa, he's a good guy, mostly, and 
He has this situation, if you turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 14, verse 2 says, Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God, for he removed the altars of the foreign gods and he went on and he did good stuff. He had an army of 300,000, verse 8, from Judah who carried shields and spears and from Benjamin 280,000 men who carried shields. How many men did he have? 580,000. Come on, guys, you've got to be on the ball. Never know, I might call you out by name. Hallelujah. <laughs> he had how many? 580,000 men, right? So then suddenly an army of a million men and 300 chariots just came out against him. So he was overwhelmed. They were overwhelmingly not good odds. And so he's got this million men coming out against him and all these chariots that they didn't have. So verse 11, Asa cried out to the Lord his God and said, Lord, it's nothing for you to help, whether with many or with those who have no power. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rest in you and in your name we go against this multitude. O Lord, you are our God. Do not let men prevail against you. And he spoke to the Lord, his God. The language for those that had relationship with the Lord, you'll see, uh, you'll see them use that term, the Lord, his God. So Asa talked to God and said, Lord, you, it's nothing for you. you. Whether we've got men or not, it makes no difference. You are God and, and we're putting our trust in you and, you and we look to you to overcome for us. And they had an amazing victory, tremendous uh, victory that the Lord gave them. Hallelujah. Yeah, everyone say, yay, praise the Lord. There's a good part. We celebrate the good bits because there's a lot of bad bits in this um, as you go through Kings and Chronicles and we learn stuff. Um, and then Asa was fabulous. He, the prophet came to him and said, while you do good and you follow God, you're going to do well. So follow God, because if you stop following God, then you're on your own, mate. But stay following God. So Asa says, I'm going to follow God. Everyone says, Yay, praise the Lord. And things go great. And so he, um, he even deals with his mother-in-law who goes and builds an Asherah pole to a false god and says, listen, even, I, even if you're family, I'm not having you do that and I'm not going to have you hold any position of authority. I'm removing you as, from your place as queen mother because you can't be in a place of authority and lead us, try to lead us into false worship and, and to false gods. Fabulous, like tough, good guy. Go Asa. And it's, it's great. There's all this good stuff. You can read about it. It's very interesting in 2 Kings and in 2 Chronicles, on 1 Kings, 2 Kings and in 2 Chronicles. But then um, when he's doing really well, the wicked bad king of Israel comes against his, uh, Judah and he has an alliance with the uh, king of Aram. And so Asa thinks, right, well, what I'll do is I'll use the, the riches in the temple to buy off the king of Aram and get him to break his treaty with the king of Israel so that they stop attacking us. And he didn't stop to ask the Lord what to do. He just went into what the rest of the world would do. He went into scheming and trying to figure it out. 
And it worked in the natural. Uh, the king of Aram broke his treaty with the northern kingdom and they stopped attacking Judah. But the, a prophet came to Asa and said, hey, King Asa, that was a bad move. You should have just trusted God. Remember how he delivered you from a million man? God delivered you. You could have asked him. You should have asked God. You shouldn't have gone and taken the stuff that belongs to God and given it to um, these followers of, of Baal and, and made a, a man-made treaty with these people. And Asa, rather than saying, oh, you're right, I shouldn't have done that, gets mad and puts the prophet in jail. And then he turns into a cranky old man. And he gets, he, he, he stops talking to God. And he gets a disease in his feet and he won't even ask God for help because he got proud. He's like, no, no, nobody tells me what to do. And he died in pain when his God was so wanting to be his help. He had a son, Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat's a good guy. Yes. Yay. Praise the Lord. Jehoshaphat did good. And we can have a look here. That chapter 17 of 2 Chronicles. Jehoshaphat, his son, reigned in his place and strengthened himself against Israel. And the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he walked in the former ways of his father David. And he didn't seek the Baals, but sought the God of his father and walked in his commandments. And it was good. He did great. He did really good. And he, he followed the Lord. He had a sincere fear of the Lord. All the fear of the Lord came on all the lands. Even the Philistines started bringing tribute and gifts because they all could see that God was with Jehoshaphat. Yay, good stuff. And then, um, and he had all these wonderful things. And then it says in chapter 18, Jehoshaphat had riches and honor in abundance, which is what happens when you do the right thing, when you follow God, when a man's raised, please the Lord, the blessing of the Lord comes upon them. And when he had riches and honor in abundance, by marriage, he allied himself with Ahab. He actually married his son to Ahab and Jezebel's daughter. Ahab was a wicked, wicked bad king in the north, married to a woman that you may have heard of called Jezebel. She was really wicked bad, like killed all the prophets, tried to make all of Israel worship the Baals. She was wicked bad, bad, wicked bad. They had a daughter and Jehoshaphat, when he's doing super well, thinks, well, all the rest of the countries, they make alliances. You know, my father, he made an alliance to try and stop this attack from Israel. I could go one better. I could make a marriage alliance, and then they definitely wouldn't attack us, and, and we could be one. And it seemed to make rational sense, but it, you know, spoiler alert, doesn't end well. Does really, really doesn't end well. Really doesn't end well. But... And then he goes, and he, he goes out to war with Ahab, nearly dies. Silly, very silly. But the Lord keeps protecting him, because Jehoshaphat seems like he's a bit naive, and like, oh, keeps um, making silly mistakes. But then he goes back to, to Judah after escaping with his life, and there's another, another test comes, 
And we see a whole bunch of people again come out after Jehoshaphat. And it's, we're going to pick it up in chapter 20 of Second Chronicles. Are you sort of tracking with me? If you don't understand, read your Bible really slowly, really well. Combine Second Kings and Second Chronicles together and you'll start to get a picture. And um, it's fascinating because we see him in this position in chapter 20 where suddenly all these people from Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir come out against him. And it says here in verse 2, Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria, uh, and they're in Hazazar Tamar, which is in Gedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord. Yay! That's the smart thing to do. When you're in trouble, even if you've made mistakes, instead of getting proud, you turn and you humble yourself and say, help, God, help, because he is our ever-present help in time of need. Hallelujah. The humble get help. Say it. The humble get help. Hallelujah. Next time you don't need... You think you don't need directions, the humble get help. Hallelujah. It's true. And so he humbles himself and he asks for help and cries out to the Lord. And he begins to remind God of his promises. He begins to declare the the prophetic promises that was spoken over the nation and starts to say, Lord, you said that when we have trouble, if we will humble ourselves and seek you, you would help us, you would deliver us. So Lord, he he begins to uh, remind God of all his promises. And you know, that's such a powerful thing to do as we begin to declare to the Lord the promises of God. And so he's there and he, I, I just, I love this. It's so wonderful. Verse 12 He says, for we have no power against this great multitude that's coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Just like his father Asa, when he was faced with a multitude, Jehoshaphat imitated what his father did. Okay, I'm familiar with this situation. My dad went through something like this, and this is what he did, so I'm going to do the same thing. Your children are watching you. What you are doing, it, your kids are watching. Your, if you, even if you don't have children, those you influence, those around you are watching how you respond. Your response is not just about you. It's about your future generations. Hallelujah. The example that you set is so important. And he remembered his father's good example. I use this scripture often. Lord, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. Lord, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. That is a humble place. That's a a powerful posture. It's not just saying, God, I don't know what to do. I'm so afraid. Oh, it's terrible. But Lord, God, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. And these are the promises that you've made. And so my faith is in you. I know that you will deliver us. Hallelujah. When I was in Adelaide this week, Heidi Baker kept saying over and over again, I can't, you can we will. I can't. You can. 
We will. Hallelujah. When we recognize our need for him and his willingness to help us and put our faith in that reality, we will see the glory of God. Amen. So as they're postured like this saying, God, we don't know what to do, but we trust you. Our eyes are on you. The prophet begins to, one of the worshipers actually um, from the tribe of Levi who are uh, from the house of Asaph, you may have seen some of the Psalms of Asaph. They were the worshipping Levites. The, the word of the Lord comes to one of the worshippers and he begins to prophesy. Um, verse 14, the spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, goes on, a Levite of the sons of Asaph in the midst of the assembly. And he said, listen, all you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and and you, King Jehoshaphat, thus the Lord says to you, don't be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, it's God's. Tomorrow, go down against them. They'll surely come up this way, da-da-da. He says, you will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves, stand still And see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be fearful or be dismayed, for tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. You know, often we quote this scripture, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, but we forget the first part. Position yourself, stand still and see the salvation of God. And we go on and we see how they position themselves. We don't just stand still and do nothing. We're not passive, but we come into a place where we say, God, my trust is in you. I am going to watch you do this. You are faithful. You are true. And they position themselves in worship. In response, you see it here. Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord, because they had a word from God. Then the Levites of the children of the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with voices loud and high. Hallelujah. They're praising in the midst of overwhelming odds. They're praising God. Why? Because they have a promise. Hooray! Sing, O barren, you have not born. Get really happy, even though you haven't yet seen it, because you have a promise from the faithful God. Hallelujah. God who cannot lie. That's how we posture ourselves. That's how we position ourselves. So they rose early in the morning, and we read it. It says, uh, Jehoshaphat comes and tells them, Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe in his prophets and you shall prosper. And when he'd consult, doesn't mean you have to believe every prophetic word you hear, but when you know that there's a word from God, when God reminds you of his promises, when you hear a prophecy that you know lines up with the word of God, you know is the will of God, you can feel it, you know it, it lines up with scripture. God wants you to trust him and put your faith in him. Hallelujah. When he consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army. We were singing, holy forever. This is what they were doing. They were worshiping God. They were singing of his holiness. They sang, praise the Lord and his mercy endures forever. Now, when they began to sing and to praise, 
The Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. For the people of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir to utterly kill and destroy them. And when they'd made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. So when Judah came to a place overlooking the wilderness, they looked toward the multitude, and there were their dead bodies fallen on the earth. No one had escaped. God just did it. He did it as they began to sing and praise and thank the Lord. You know, I believe that the Lord wants to bring us into a place where we recognize that I want to come back to this place of innocence. I don't want to be one of those that having gone through a whole lot of stuff suddenly gets proud and says, yeah, I've been there, done that. Yeah, I know, I know what to do now. Let me, I'll just show you what to do. I know what to do. But to remain childlike in humility and say, God, you know. The prophets, I love reading Ezekiel. God will say, can these bones live? And he'll say, you know. He doesn't get all intellectual and say, actually, well, technically, you know, they're dead. They're very dead. They're dry. They're very dead. He, he, he shuts his mouth and says, God, to his own understanding and says, you know. We need to have that posture that says, I'm not going to be presumptuous. I'm not going to just lean on my own understanding. I'm going to look to you and ask for your help. What do you want to do? What would you have me do? What is your wisdom in this situation? Not my wisdom, not my understanding. I'm not going to make alliances and try and scheme and make things happen and make a way for myself and try and do all the networking and all the things. But Lord, I want to know what you want me to do. You speak to me, you tell me, and then obedience will bring blessing. The, the spoil and the blessing took them three days to collect from this. And the blessing of God just came so powerfully upon them. I've seen this happen in my life over and over again. We, we see that echoed throughout Scripture. Paul and Silas in the prison. As they're worshipping, the breakthrough comes. The chains fall off. Hallelujah. As they stand, as the Israelites stand outside the walls of Jericho, they praise, they worship God, and the walls come down. You see, as we are intentional to give ourselves to the one who is able, he will give his strength and move the mountains. Hallelujah. For he is the one. All the power belongs to him. All the glory belongs to him. And if we will position ourselves, if we will posture our hearts to say, God, you are my ever-present help in time of need. God, I'm going to recite to you your promises over me. I'm going to decree and declare the prophetic words that have been spoken. I'm going to declare the word of God that's been promised over me. You said, surely goodness and mercy and loving kindness shall follow me all the days of my life. You said, Lord God, that it's your will that I would prosper and be in health even as my soul prospers. Whatever the promise is that the Holy Spirit brings to your remembrance, as you speak it out. You declare it. You posture yourself and you begin to worship and thank God. God sets ambushes among your enemies. Hallelujah. So many times I've had difficult situations and I've, I, I've felt the Lord ask me to start dancing in my bedroom for the answer. 
I remember when I had to get to greater things at the last event. There was a big event in Oklahoma City. Our passports, had, we'd had to try and get some, the visas for Nigeria. We'd got them, but then our passports got lost in the mail. And Australia Post kept saying, well, it'll come this day, it'll come this day. And they didn't come. And the conference was beginning. And if I didn't get on the plane that night, I wasn't going to get to the conference in time. Um, so I went into the passport office it normally takes two days at least to get an emergency passport. But I just began, at, before I even got in there, I started thinking, thank you, God, for giving me a passport. Thank you, Lord, for a passport. Thank you that you make a way where there seems to be no way. Thank you for my passport. Thank you for my passport. And within four hours, I got a new passport and got on the plane and got to get there. Hallelujah. Over and over again, though, I felt the Lord challenge me and saying, will you trust me? Trust is not passive. Trust doesn't just sit there and go, well, we'll see. Well, I hope he does it. Trust is there. God, you said. I've had my hands on people praying for the sick sometimes and feeling like, oh, something, I need a breakthrough, God. Feeling overwhelmed with the, the problem in front of me. And I've, I've turned my eyes to the Lord and said, God, you said I'd lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. This is my hand. This is a sick person. You said and that's not because God needs to hear it. It's because I need to hear it. That my, my feeling of being overwhelmed is not, is not his heart. I have to get the reminder of who he is and remember, God, my eyes are on you. So I'm putting my eyes back on you. What your word says, you are God and you are, you are not a liar. You are faithful and true. Lord, this is what you say. And so this is what you will do. Lord, what do you want me to do? How do you want to heal this person? And as I look to him and if I could hear his voice, I know the faith of God will flow through me. Hallelujah. But it doesn't come through a, uh, just through a, a, a ritual or an idea. It comes through a place of desperation where I say, God, I need you. I humble myself and I say, I need you. I may have seen this many times before, but if you don't do this now, this person's not getting healed. I need you. I need you. And I know, Lord, whenever you said, if I need you, if I need help, there is ever-present help for me, mercy and help in my time of need. So God, you said it. I'm looking at you. You are my God. You are not just the God of the Bible. You are my God and you are faithful and you've spoken spoken these words. So God, I thank you. I praise you that you are about to do what you promised to do. And I bring myself back into that place of awareness that he is God, that he is faithful. Come out of the place of self-sufficiency and back into the place of utter dependence on the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will never let you down.